You are listening to Natural Magic, written and narrated by Molly Srojes. Chapter 18, Matsyas. The next morning, Matsyas went with the girls into Shakith. They left early in the morning to take the train, which was about a 30-minute trip and at a reduced fare for students. Though he and Key were the only members of the group who hadn't already been, Ion and Miriam had only stayed overnight before taking the train to Faraday. So Tilly, who had been there often with her parents, served as tour guide. Being one of Nefrail's largest cities, there was no way they could see all of Shakif in one day. Tilly took them to the business and arts district in the center of town. They ate breakfast at a restaurant which took up nearly the whole street front, with three or four doors going in. Tilly led them across the shiny tile floor to a wooden table in the corner. A large chalkboard on the wall across from them had menu items and prices. Matsyas stared at it. What's a cinnamon roll? Ion goggled. You've never eaten a cinnamon roll? Tilly winked at Matt. Don't worry. She's only eaten them because they're easy to steal. But when the food arrived, Matsyas thought otherwise. The cinnamon roll was the size of his two fists together and dripping with butter. He wouldn't have been able to finish it as well as his omelet without Key's help. By the end, his fingers were a sticky mess, and he had to visit the washroom before they left. Ion shook her head. Never eaten a cinnamon roll. No one's eaten a cinnamon roll until they've eaten one here. Miriam held the door for them. That, I believe. As much as he enjoyed breakfast, it made him self-conscious. So when they passed a movie house later, he didn't press to go inside as much as he wanted to. But he did marvel at the size of the city. The broad streets filled with cars, the tall buildings, and the sheer number of people. He worried a bit he might get lost. The art museum had pillars at least three times as tall as Matsyas himself, and when they went in, they noticed every bit about the inside was decorated, including paintings on the domed ceiling. At least this time, Matt wasn't the only one marveling at everything around him. Tilly looked up at a picture of a phoenix transforming from bird to human. I know, right? Nefrail has the best stories. Come on, the modern wing is this way. She grabbed his hand and pulled him along, the others following behind. No less beautiful than the entrance, Matt worried about leaving footprints on the polished floors of the modern wing until Tilly directed his eyes to the artwork. They saw pictures of everything, from everyday life to mythology, pictures of houses, flowers, skulls. Some were drawn so well they could have been photographs. Others were odd shapes pushed up and against each other until they made something bigger. Ion and Tilly brought them to a series of pictures made by the apparently famous Vasco painter, and Matsyas understood why they loved his artwork. They were all landscapes, a cliff overlooking a swirling ocean, a meadow of flowers, a sunrise along a river. But the more Matsyas looked at each picture, the more seemed to pop out at him, as if Painter had buried secrets in his art. The brush strokes of the ocean waves seemed to form the shape of roses, the flowers in the meadow looked like children holding hands, and the rays of the rising sun could have been arrows fired from a Thisaju bow. After the museum, they went shopping in several different stores, some of which Matsyas had never conceived of. Tilly looked for a new fastener for her necklace in a store full of beads. 
Ion wanted to get cloth at a store that specialized in fabric, and Miriam dragged him to a stationery shop, where she tried to teach him about the importance of a paper's weight. Matsyas had no idea there were so many types of paper, but Key didn't look at all surprised. They also stopped at a sweet shop where Matsyas and Key had the opportunity to try Nefrail and candy, and then Tilly led them to the biggest bookstore Matsyas had seen in his life. Since he and Miriam had visited Faraday's library on West Day, Matsyas had taken to spending most of his recess period there. But even that room couldn't compare to this. From the outside, the store looked like a corner shop. But once inside, it could have stretched the whole of Nefrail. Two floors were stacked with books floor to ceiling, as well as on staircases, as if they were just more shelves. Matsyas thought he might have passed on to paradise. The girls had to drag him out, and only succeeded after Tilly told him, The bookstore's not going anywhere. We can come back another weekend. Finally, he selected a novel in Shigbo for practice, and a book on mythology in Jehu. He spied a couple of Epiluno books, but he couldn't buy them in front of the girls. They went to the Central District's park for lunch, a stretch of grass and trees broad enough to disappear in. Across the street was a line of food trucks, which reminded Matsyas of the Thisaju caravans gathering at a Shahia shrine. They bought sandwiches, and then found a couple of benches to eat. Matsyas was too busy looking at the trees to follow the conversation. He tried to count them, but eventually gave up. They rinsed their hands in a fountain they found down a spiraling brick path, and then they caught the train back to Faraday. By this point, Matt was even more worried he would get lost. At least, he would have if the girls hadn't been looking after him. He didn't even see the train station until they were practically on top of it. When they arrived back at school, Key left them on the way back to Victoria House to meet with her friend from her electricity class. Ion was eager to work with her new fabric, and Tilly also had some kind of project to work on, though she was oddly cryptic about it. Matsyas got the feeling she was trying to avoid Miriam's no-holds-barred lie detection, not that Miriam ever meant anything by it. After the others had dispersed, Miriam and Matsyas stood awkwardly in the common. Um, I guess we'll see you at dinner then? Yeah. Sure. He sank into one of the couches and watched her walk to the girls' hall, a rather anticlimactic end to one of the best days of his life. Matsyas knew he couldn't avoid Reed forever, but... He wasn't ready to go to his room just yet, so he took his leg off, curled up on the couch, and opened his new book on mythology. He didn't know how long he'd been there when someone sat down next to him. He expected to see Key, or maybe one of the other girls, but when Matsyas turned, he found himself looking into the blue eyes of Antony. I noticed you out here a lot. Matsyas licked his lips. Though he always had trouble finding the right words, he felt particularly nervous now. I... Yes, it's more comfortable than my room. Not used to having a roommate. My... my sister? But... no one else. Matt's chest ached when he said it. Denying he'd shared a room with Lamel made him feel like he was erasing his brother. You seem to be making friends, though. The Tetetse girl. He paused, calling up her name. Talitsade. This made Matt smile. Tilly... If we're friends, I think that was mostly her doing. Antony chuckled. He had a warm laugh, as if he found joy in everything. Yeah, I can imagine. She's pretty fiery. You know, her sister Catalina is in my class. We took Miss Thielen's windcasting class together our first year. Let's just say it runs in the family. He thought for a minute. 
Though you two seemed to get on better than we did. You didn't become friends? Let's put it this way. House head meetings aren't always comfortable. Anyways, I just wanted to check on you. Make sure you were doing all right. Why? Antony ran a hand through his thick red hair. Because you're out here all the time. Thought maybe you were having trouble with your roommate. It's my job to keep track of these things, you know. Matsyas felt his face grow warm. Oh, Reed's fine. He's polite. Like I said, I, I have trouble getting to know people. When they're not yelling at a teacher on my behalf. Well, maybe I can help you with that. How do you mean? He felt his stomach turn over. I'm going with some friends to catch a movie. You can come with us. You could invite your roommate. It would give you a chance to get to know each other. Matsyas paused. You're going to a movie? Yeah. You like movies, right? I don't know. The right side of Antony's mouth raised up in a smirk. You don't know if you like movies? I've never seen one. The prospect of seeing a movie was so exciting to Matsyas that he spoke the words before he thought about them. In his head, he chastised himself, knowing he would now have to come up with a reason for this. But Antony didn't ask. You've never seen a movie? Now you have to come. I'd like that. About 15 minutes later, Antony and Matt were meeting four other students in front of the main building. The group included Antony's girlfriend, Joe, also in Providence House, as well as her roommate, Mari, a Westwood third year named Wince, and his sister, Lavone from Liberty House. Apparently, Reed wasn't the only one for whom Faraday was a family affair. Is Reed coming? He uh, wasn't in her room. It was the truth, but Matsyas was glad he had an excuse not to have invited the other boy. Oh well. Maybe next time. Faraday sat on the west side of Kaporo, which despite being significantly smaller than Shakif, was still larger than Illigate. It took about twenty minutes to walk downtown to the movie house, and as they got closer, Matsyas could feel his stomach flip-flopping again. He half expected someone to ask for his ID card when he got there, but the person at the front only asked how many tickets. Antony paid for Matt's, and they went inside. Antony laughed his hearty laugh as Matt gaped in amazement. His nose was bombarded with the smell of butter and salt. The lights on the inside were possibly even brighter than those on the marquee, and the walls were lined with posters of the movies that would play in the coming weeks. Matsyas wanted to examine every single one, but he was conscious of the others watching him. Antony also bought him popcorn. It's not every day you get to take someone to the movies for the first time. Don't worry about it. Enjoy the show. They found seats together right in the middle. The others chatted nonchalantly as they waited for the movie to start. Matsyas felt like he might jump out of his skin, even staring at the blank screen. He could vaguely hear the conversation around him. The others spoke about what they had done over the summer or what they had thought of their classes that year. Matsyas didn't really know how to join in, but Antony helped him. So, Matt, what did you think of Faraday so far? I think it's wonderful. He considered saying it was the most wonderful place he had ever been, but that also felt like a betrayal to his family. I've wanted to come for almost as long as I can remember. Well, it's good you're here then. Like the first day, Antony's smile didn't seem to reach his eyes, but it may have been a trick of the dimming light. Then Matsyas was engrossed in the film. He leaned forward in his seat as the previews for other movies flashed across the screen. He wanted to see all of them. Finally, the movie itself started. Matsyas gasped as he realized he understood it perfectly. Shikbo letters flashed across the bottom of the screen. It's in Johu. 
Anthony Grund. It's an Ethite film, but the director is really popular. Matsuyas hadn't expected to get a language lesson, but he found that watching the film with Shugbo subtitles helped him discover new words in his second language. The movie itself was about a young man who had run away from home and taken on an assumed identity, only to return when his parents died in a mysterious fire everyone believed he had started. Matsuyas later learned the movie was an older one, but people loved it, so the theater liked to bring it back. The other students talked about the director, Ian Wright, the whole way home. I love all his movies, but this one's my favorite. Have you seen Clary? Lavone asked from behind Matt. Joe looked over her shoulder at the younger girl. Clary? Lavone's incredibly long ponytail bobbed as she nodded. It's his new one. Came out last year. Antony wrinkled his nose. I don't know. I think I'm with Joe. His early work is better. See? Joe swung her hand into Antony's and took a bit of a skip step. This was his first movie. He made it before he was famous and had to appeal to the masses. But it does appeal to the masses. Lavone glanced at her brother as if expecting him to make the others see reason. What do you think, Matt? Matsyasa didn't have to think. I would watch every movie he made. Antony laughed. You would watch every movie anybody made. Matsyasa smiled so much he thought his face might split. Oh, I absolutely would. The others joined in the laughter, and Antony wrapped his arm around Matt's shoulders. Here's to your first movie. May it be the first of many. They got back from the movie just in time for dinner. Antony invited him to join the others, but as they walked into the cafeteria, Matsyas saw Key sitting with the other girls. Actually, I should sit with my sister. Antony looked a little disappointed, but he didn't argue. I'll see you back in the common. Yeah, thanks again. Not a problem. Glad to be the person who can take you to your first movie. Matt joined the girls at their usual table, still flushed with excitement. When he sat down, Miriam said, What did you do this afternoon? I, uh, went to a movie with Antony and uh, some other kids. He tried to play it cool, but it was difficult. He gave a sidelong glance at Key, who knew exactly how important this was. Her mouth quirked and her eyes danced, but no one else seemed to notice. Miriam nodded as if to confirm he told the truth and concentrated on her dinner. What'd you see? Tilly asked, taking a bite of potato stew. Tooth. Can't argue with a classic. The conversation continued from there into other movies. Matsyas couldn't contribute much, though he occasionally found something to say based on the conversation he'd heard on the way back to Faraday earlier. He'd made a mental note to try to catch some more movies with Antony, if he was invited again. After dinner, Ion suggested a game of dominoes, and by the time they had settled in a corner of the Victoria House Common, Matsyas thought he had gotten away with his charade. But a couple of minutes later, Antony passed them. You want to go back next week to see your second movie? Matsyas felt his spine grow cold, and he nodded to the table when he felt the eyes of the girls on him. He couldn't bring himself to speak. Cool. Antony went on his way. Wait, did he say your second movie? As in... This was your first? Matsyas had been hoping that since Ion was a thief, she at least would have been too poor to have seen a movie. No such luck. Matt nodded, still staring at the table. Fortunately, Key was at the ready with a handy excuse. When you travel around as much as we do, you don't get to see a lot of movies. Matsyas glanced at Miriam briefly, wondering if the other girl might catch the half-truth. Miriam glanced up at Key and knit her brows, but then returned her gaze to the domino box without a word. 
But you've seen movies. Tilly tipped the dominoes out of the box. We've talked about them. I've seen a couple, but not many. I... This time, Matsyas noticed. Key's eyes also flicked toward Miriam. I had chances to see them when Matt didn't. Miriam didn't even look up. Apparently, this statement had been true enough. So what do you do? Huh? Tilly started drawing dominoes into her hand. If you don't go to see movies, what do you do for fun? To entertain yourselves? Ion laughed slightly at this comment, but Key seemed to be considering it. For once, Matt had an answer faster than her. He stomped his good foot on the ground, then dragged it to the side, clapped twice in rapid succession, and stomped again. He repeated the rhythm. Stomp. Drag. Clap. Clap. Stomp. Stomp. Drag. Clap. Clap. Stomp. If he had been standing, he would have shifted slightly with the motion. Key slowly turned her head at the sound of the rhythm. Matsyas did it again, praying silently to the all-knowing that he had not overstepped his bounds as a cultural tourist. He had picked one of the Thisaju songs he knew best, and when Key didn't take up the lead part, usually sung by the women, Matt did it for her. It was stupid, he told himself, and he needed to stop. But another part of him felt like this would officially solidify his identity as Thisaju in front of the other students. Of course, Key looked at him as if he had lost his mind. Then, just as Matsyas had decided she wouldn't follow, she joined in the rhythm and sang the men's part. About halfway through, Tilly started to pick up the rhythm, and Matsyas wondered again if it had been a bad idea to start. Technically, if she joined in, it would make her a member of the Thisaju family, right? Did he have permission to induct people this way? But Key caught Tilly's eye and nodded, enunciating the words clearly, the way she had for Matsyas when he had first learned. At first, the redhead mumbled them, but by the end, she had picked up several of the more repetitive lines. When Matsyas and Key ended, Tilly giggled nervously. Key turned to her roommate. Not bad. Tilly adjusted her glasses. I told you I'm good with languages. Miriam selected several dominoes. So that's what you do for fun? These Saju song circles have been around a lot longer than movies. Miriam glanced from Key to Matt and back again. I get the impression I said something to offend you. Matsyas cut in before Key could make another sarcastic comment. Uh, yes, that's what we do for fun. We sing with our whole community and the songs tell about our history and other important stories. Oh, what's this one about? To Matt's surprise, Ion answered. It's about a woman traveling the desert or something. She dismounts and she cries out that she wants water for her mouth, even if she dies. So the all-knowing sends a bird that leads her to a mountain spring with lush grasses all around it. She lets the mount drink first, and while it does, she sees a rabbit caught in a bush, which she kills and cooks for her dinner. It had been nearly a year since he had heard that version of the story. You speak this, Sisu? Ion toyed with one of her braids. No, but there's a Pilan song that's the same. At least, I think it's the same. The melody's the same, but they don't do all the clapping. You're Pilan? Matsyas could hear the shock in Key's voice. He had forgotten she hadn't been there when Ion discussed the purple sun and her shirt cuff. Ion traced the symbol now. No, but I visited their temple a lot in Forge Card Falls. I learned a few things. Miriam looked between Matsyas and Key. So is that the story? Does it matter? 
Matsyas shot his sister a warning look and then turned to Miriam. It's mostly the same story. The Thesaju say that she had her children with her, and the bird leads her to a cave with a pool of water. There's not enough for everyone, so she lets her children drink first, and then the gods send a storm to refill the pool. Now it was Ion's turn to pass a wary look between Matt and Key. She pulled dominoes into her hand. Miriam pushed hers back into the pile. Actually, I should get started on my homework. The game's better with four players anyway. She stood up, dusted off her skirt, and left to the girls' dormitory. You have been listening to Natural Magic, written and narrated by Molly Sroges. The role of Matt was played by Casey Kirkpatrick. CJ Branneman played Key, and Indy Jones played Tilly. Ayan and Miriam were played by Brittany Nunez and Stephanie of the Drift. Our cast was rounded out by Goodwin Gifford as Anthony. Music and sound effects from Pixabay. Cafeteria ambiance from Ambient Sound Mixer. To learn more about our artists or to read this book online, find The Stitch Witch's Apprentice on Tumblr or follow the links in the show notes.